In this episode, I'll talk about my perspectives on self-carriage. It's not just the result of a perfect half-halt. It's a mental, emotional, and physical state of being. So here we go, episode 152, Self-Carriage. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Self-carriage is one of those qualities where no matter what discipline you're doing, no matter what level you're, you're riding, it makes you say, wow, this feels amazing. You know, I don't think many of us come home from a ride with our horse and say, wow, I loved that I just had to hold my horse up the whole time. <laughs> you know, And we don't typically enjoy the feeling that our horse is about to trip and fall on his head at any minute. So self-carriage is a big component of what I think universally people would report feels great. No matter, again, like I said, no matter what discipline, or maybe I should say the lack of self-carriage, we can all probably universally agree, is something we're not wanting to feel. So what is it? It's usually defined as something like, Uh, Self-carriage is when the horse is balanced and maintaining himself without needing support from the rider's hands. Now in dressage, it's typically thought to be a result of a well-ridden half-halt or result, an end goal of your training. But it has just as much to do with being balanced mentally and emotionally as it does with being balanced physically. So as a you know, long time horse rider and student of dressage and also professional dressage trainer. And then, you know, now (laughs) doing it differently, immersing in natural horsemanship and creating dressage naturally, I've learned to take a much broader look at this quality of self-carriage. So again, as a dressage rider and trainer, it was really focused on the self-carriage is the result of excellent expertise training. It's the, it's the result of um, gymnastic development and the result of um, good half halts. But now that I have a broader education and broader experience in training, and I work more holistically with horses, um, I've realized that there's you know so much more to it. And here's the good news. You don't have to wait you don't, it's not an elusive quality that you have to be an expert and train for years to hopefully feel and hopefully maintain for a few magical strides. You know, it's actually a quality that can be practiced immediately by everyone, no matter what level, and you can make progress on it no matter what level you are. And you can do it in more situations than you think. So self-carriage is more than just a way of carrying the body. Now, of course, as you ask your horse to expand and to learn, you know, more challenging maneuvers, there, there's going to be times that self-carriage is more difficult 
due to the demands of the movement, um, the situation, and maybe the horse's lack of coordination or understanding or balance or strength in that particular movement is going to make it harder. So it's actually a good self-carriage is a good test to see how well we've prepared and developed our horse for what we're asking. So again, I like to start with self-carriage and then it's one of my uh, most important checkpoints as I progress with my horse that that self-carriage should be um, not only preserved, but should be able to be um, apparent and happening as you move up the levels. You know, of course, as horses learn new movements for the first time, self-carriage probably will go out the window for a little bit or for a moment or, you know, here and there. But it's always a test of like, okay, we're doing something new. The horse isn't as balanced or coordinated to be able to deal with it. The the first order of business is, can we do it in a way where self-carriage is um, returned and and apparent there? So uh, I thought I'd take a look at, you know, what's actually happening in moments of self-carriage. So physically, in a self-carriage moment, the horse has his, has his body balanced in a way that's appropriate for the movement he's doing. The hind legs are engaged and carrying the body. The spine is free from um, excess and unnecessary tension. It has the tone that it needs without any negative tension. And the body's aligned in a way um, to make whatever the maneuver, um, you know, that you're asking us to do possible. The horse is not falling forward or sideways and he's not hanging back. And again, you can sort of picture that maybe in a dressage sense, but that I think applies no matter what the horse is doing. Now, mentally, what's mental self-carriage? So mentally, in a state of self-carriage, your horse is understanding what's required of him. And because of that understanding, he's able to organize his body for the task. That's a really important sentence. The horse is able to organize his body, his own body, (laughs) because he understands what is going to be happening or what's being asked. So in mental self-carriage, there's no lack of balance due to him not being sure where he's going or what he's being asked to do. So a lot of times it's easier to picture uh, the negative version of things, right? So picture a horse who thought you were going to turn left, but you really wanted to turn right. You know, that's a moment where you're hanging on each other, right? He zigged one way, your hands are all the way over on the other side, and you get the feeling that if the reins broke, you might fall off, <laughs> right? So that would be an example of lack of self-carriage um, from a mental um, problem. And then you can imagine the reverse of that. If the horse totally understands that you're about to ask for a canter transition. He's ready. He's waiting. He's like, oh, I feel what's coming. And he's organizing himself to be able to do it. That's mental self-carriage. He understands. So he's he's already organizing himself mentally too, right? So he, he can anticipate. And so emotional self-carriage means that your horse is comfortable and calm. And so he feels no need to escape where he is and feels no need to be anywhere else. This is so important. So you can have a horse that's excited, excited in a kind of anticipatory way. He's excited 
because he mentally understands what's about to happen and he's um, physically ready, whether you help the horse get physically ready or because of his mental um, mental understanding and his motivation, he's getting himself ready. But most importantly, emotionally, he wants to be there, right? So if he's like, yeah, let's do it, you know, a horse getting ready to go do something they want to do, maybe jump a jump, he really wants to jump the jump, you know, a few strides out from that jump, you've got to let him have his own self-carriage, right? But if the horse is trying to, you know, trying to run out of the jump, because he emotionally doesn't want to be there, that's going to cause a lack of self-carriage, right? He can't, He's not carrying himself because if you let him just carry himself, he's going to be out, out the door to the side. A horse that's in emotional self-carriage is not fearful of making a mistake, right? And because he's not fearful of making a mistake or he's not putting himself in a defensive posture because he thinks he might get punished for something, you know, his body's going to be looser and more supple, or at least as supple and loose as it can be. And this is going to allow him to make subtle adjustments necessary, right? To, to remain in perfect balance as the movement continues. And emotionally, uh, or a horse that's in emotional self-carriage will be able to trust that he can settle into what he's doing, knowing that there will always be a, a warning, a warning sign. You know, he'll be given the chance to get ready when something new is going to be asked. So he's not um, fearful of a surprise, right? So we can be right on that edge of mentally engaged, but not going, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I don't know what's about to happen, uh, and either freezing or saying, I got to get out of here. So just as importantly um, to the horses, self carriage. Uh, we have to think about the role that we as the rider play because, you know, he's got a human attached to him and hopefully that human is not throwing him off balance mentally, emotionally, or physically. So the rider in physical self-carriage has, has their body balanced in a way that's appropriate for the movement that's happening and they're able to follow the horse's movement as it's performed. And the rider can do this without gripping or holding onto the reins for balance. Yeah, we have to have self-carriage too. So the rider needs to be silent and neutral with their aids when the horse is doing what he's being asked. And being neutral in self-carriage is something in between giving no information, leaving horse wondering what to do, and micromanaging or controlling every step of the way, leaving the horse feeling helpless. And I've done podcasts and written blogs on the active neutral. Now, mentally, a rider that's in mental self-carriage understands how to ride the movement and apply appropriate and non-conflicting aids. He's focused and clear in communication, and the rider can recognize when the horse is in a good balance or a good enough balance for the movement that they're doing. So can make smart decisions. They know what they're aiming for, and they're mentally um, free <laughs> to make good decisions. And again, you, it, maybe it's hard to picture that, but it's easy to picture the opposite. You know, picture a mentally distracted or, or a rider who doesn't have a clear picture of what they're doing and they're mentally distracted at the same time. Is that going to be a rider who's in 
um, the maximum harmony and lightness and self-carriage? Probably not. So self-carriage from an emotional standpoint for the rider is when the rider's comfortable and calm and they're confident in their ability to ride what they're asking the horse for. I've seen a lot of riders be out of self-carriage, um, let's say with a kind of spicy horse and the, the rider um, wants to ask for the horse to canter, but at the same time, they're a little bit afraid of what might happen when he gets cantering. So, right, so because, because of that, um, they're not totally calm and comfortable um, and confident about asking for the canter. And so there's going to be conflicting aids, right? It's going to be a little bit of an aid to canter. And at the same time, a bunch of aids going, oh, not too much. <laughs> so that would be lacking emotional self-carriage. So a horse, uh, a horse, a rider who is in emotional self-carriage is not fearful of the horse or the situation and therefore can be looser and more supple in their own body, just like with the horse. And this will allow the rider to make the subtle adjustments necessary to remain in perfect balance. This rider is riding from patient, with patience and not from ego, and so will not be forcing their horse past their capabilities. And I think we've all seen pictures of the opposite of that, where ego gets the better of them, pride, embarrassment, whatever it whatever it might be that's causing the person to push their horse um, past their abilities. And we can all picture or maybe relate to <laughs> being in a fearful state when riding. So as you can see, there could be many reasons why a horse is not in self-carriage. You know, if self-carriage is lacking, then we've got to take some care to evaluate what the cause might be and know that there might be really different strategies for improving self-carriage depending on whether it's mental, emotional, physical, coming from the horse, coming from the rider, and of course, infinite number of combinations. Well, maybe not infinite, but a lot. <laughs> so I wanted to just use a really simple, uh, a simple movement to illustrate this concept. So the movement, and I guess I should put that in air quotes, because the movement is standing still on a loose rein. <laughs> Pretty simple. Now, with many concepts that I teach and train, I want to say, okay, what's the, what's the concept that I'm trying to get across? And then I think, well, what's the simplest, least physically demanding version or, or um, situation where I can get, make progress on that concept, but it's not too hard. So a lot of times in dressage, we think, oh, we got to, you know, when we finally get collected and the horse learns how to pee off, then they'll have maximum self-carriage. And I'm thinking, we can't wait till then. <laughs> That's too long. And what about all the people who don't get to do a pee off on their horse? Do they not have to do self-carriage? So I like to think about the most simple, least physically demanding example. So let's pick standing still on a loose rein. So I'm not talking about a perfect square halt, but just simply standing still on your horse. So I see this picture so often. A student comes out to have their lesson with me 
and I want to talk to them and ask them some questions about what they'd like to work on. And, and the horse is standing there, then kind of walking off and the rider's kind of looking over her shoulder as she's talking to me. And then I have to move out of the way. And then maybe they stand for a moment somewhere else. And I walk over to them and then they start walking in a circle and then they're leaving. (laughs) You get the picture. So this to me is like, oh, this is interesting. This is actually a big deal for me because I prioritize self-carriage so highly. So I'll often ask them if they can please stand still while we talk. And I know they probably think, oh my gosh, you know, she's so strict. (laughs) She's like an old fashioned teacher. I have to like sit up straight or not move, but it's really not out of respect for me, it's like, wow, this is a really important piece of the training and development with your horse. So often what happens then is I'll say, Hey, can you know, do you mind just like, let's just stand right here. Let's see if you can just stand right here while we talk. And then, you know, invariably the horse still tries to leave. So the, the rider will shorten their reins and kind of hold the horse in one place with varying degrees of success. So the horse might stand there as long as they're holding the reins or might still be inching forward. And then maybe they have to back up or turn around. So already it's clear to me that there are self-carriage issues. And this is doing something like super easy, standing still on a loose rein. And usually whatever's happening when you're standing still is also happening during movement. I'll say that again. Often, whatever is happening when you're standing still with your horse is also happening during movement. Not all the time, but it's pretty interesting. When a horse stands there and then they go to walk off, are they just walking out straight forward? Are they backing up out of it? Are they always like leaning over to the left or leaning over to the right? Are their haunches spinning around their shoulders? Chances are this connected to a core imbalance. So I'm looking at all of those things and you guys can start noticing that with your horse. So in this case, this example I just gave you, you know, the horse is never quite hundred percent committed to being where the rider suggests. It's probably not calm, not totally calm and definitely not attentive (laughs) And yeah, in order to have the horse meet the, the, the requirement of standing still, she ends up having to hold on with her hands. That's not a good recipe for self-carriage. And, and then I think it's interesting. I observe with my horses and with students' horses when I have the chance is I'll bet you he might not have stood quietly while being groomed. Or perhaps when he was in the cross ties, he was already leaning forward against the cross ties and feeling like he was being controlled. So there's actually, this reminds me of a video, um, that I have in the video classroom and it's, it's called, um, something like creating calm self-carriage in the cross ties (laughs) with one of my horses. When I, one of the ones that was given to me for behavior problems and he was super interesting, um, on the cross ties. And it was such a good example of, building self-carriage because he would be on the cross ties. He would be quote unquote, respecting the cross ties. He wasn't leaning on them, but you could tell he was not okay. And, 
a lot of times what people will do is just leave them on the crossed eyes and, you know, hey, deal with it. Or they often will stand in a posture where they're leaning out forward into the crossed eyes. And my reflex is to take the horse off the crossed eyes in that moment because he's clearly not, um, I don't want him to practice leaning on the crossed eyes. Um, so to prior, I prioritize the mental, emotional self-carriage. And when that was there, then he physically was there. And then I don't even need the crossed eyes, but if I wanted to hook him up, I could. So I tempt you guys to go check out that video. And actually there's a whole, um, there's a mini series I put together in the video classroom. I think it's six videos. Um, if you go to the October 2022 videos, there's lots of different ways to look up videos in the classroom. One is by date, if I happen to know the date, or you can um, click on mini series, or you can click on or search for self-carriage and you'll find it. But October 2022, there's a whole mini series, six videos on self-carriage and this um, self-carriage in the cross ties is one of them. And then of course we take it and uh, give examples of riding. But anyway, back to the, <laughs> back to where we were. Um, so this, this idea of the horse, um, not standing still, not wanting to be there, you know, that's, it's a high priority for me. And so one strategy to accomplish standing still is to totally control the horse, right? Physically don't let the body move, hold him there. And if you were quick enough and strong enough and effective enough rider, you could, and with certain horses, it's pretty easy to, you can, you can prevent him from moving and keep a strict eye on him and let him know he can't move. But that would not necessarily change his mind for the next time, unless he just kind of resolved and like gave up. And that could work for maybe a non-emotional horse. If it's just a horse who's like, come on, I'm bored. <laughs> Let's go over there. Um, but if it is an emotional horse, um, that kind of horse could actually blow. They can become quite claustrophobic if you just try to control them. And if it's an introverted emotional horse, they can sort of, you know, resolve, just like give up, but they, it can actually be more of like going internal and checking out. And that's not, you know, none of those are things that I really want to strive for. I want to strive for calmness and, you know, emotionally calm enough in self-carriage mentally, like, okay, Hey, I get it. We're just hanging here. All right. <laughs> I agree. Let's do it. Right. So, um, we want to, I want to make sure I can develop that mental and emotional and physical and convey the idea of, Hey, just relax. You know, we're going to get going soon and, uh, and be, you know, and then we'll get going and you can come right into action. You don't have to stay revved up, relax. I'll let you know when it's time to go. So there's, um, a strategy that I use to help with this is to pay, to pick a place on the ground, go to it, stop, totally relax and trust them by dropping the reins and just expect them to stop and relax. And often I'll, I call this the relaxation box. I'll maybe make a, a little box out of four poles. So it's a visual reference, like inside the box, Hey, relax. And then drop the reins and expect the self-carriage. And if they walk off, if the horse walks off, then I come alive and I try to move his feet quickly to get back into that spot that we started. And I drop the reins and relax. And we just 
repeat that as necessary. And, and that will teach the horse this concept of standing still on a loose rein. This is a thing. Standing still, doing nothing is something. So it's a mental, emotional exercise to have the horse with me in self-carriage during a relaxation moment. And this will help his mind understand, oh, I get it. Every time we're here in the box, she stops and relaxes. So the horse has already told me he doesn't understand or respect the communication to be here with me. So it's, it's worth taking the time to follow through until he does. That horse that needs to be held there is saying, I, either I don't get it or I don't agree with it. So the game is, how can I have my horse choose to be exactly here with me? And if he can't be exactly here with me in self-care, during doing something as simple as standing still on a loose rein, chances are he doesn't quite get the concept. And if he doesn't get the concept, I'll be dealing with it every stride of everything we do. So I need to make the decision that I'm not going to hold his body for him. He's free to stay or change. But I set up an exercise in a way that in the end, he decides to stay. So you can do the exercise, like I just said, with the box of poles, even with an emotional claustrophobic horse. Because the way I just described it, you go in the box, you drop the reins, you relax, and you allow him to make a choice. So he can walk out. But if he walks out, you're going to turn around and get right back in there and make it feel like it's something very important or like you're saving his life. <laughs> right? So I'm not saying don't move. I'm just setting up a situation where look how relaxed we are here. And if you move, then yeah, we'll move your feet even faster and get back right back into the box. Once you and your horse have the concept and can do this in, in this most basic form of self-carriage, you can refine it later. And, you know, later doing, during a movement, you're not going to have to stop and drop the reins to find out if your horse is in self-carriage. You're going to begin to recognize the feeling you get from your horse when he is mentally, emotionally, and physically there exactly with you in this moment. And you get the feeling that he would stay with you if you dropped the reins. So in the in some of the dressage competition tests, there's movements. Um, I don't know if they're in the newest test, but there's a movement where the riders ask to show a clear release of the inside rein for approximately 10 meters at the canter. That's a self-carriage test. <laughs> a horse that can do that well has developed mental, emotional, physical ability to be exactly here with his rider, even at the collected canter on a precise circle. And so by giving the rein, the uberstration, we can prove it. And I love that, you know, years ago, they started putting that in the test. They weren't always in there. So if he can't hold his balance in that situation, is there an adjustment that you can make that will help him be more capable? And ask yourself, you know, was he not understanding or was he emotionally distracted or tense? Was he physically crooked or misaligned? You know, those are the questions you want to ask yourself. Like, ooh, when I give the reins, something falls apart. And that way you can make a more helpful, meaningful, um, it's not really a correction, but adjustment. 
that will help you regain the self-carriage. But just make sure you're not always just doing half halt. It seems in dressage land, the answer to everything is just half halt. <laughs> half halt stronger. Half halt with your inside rein. Half halt with your outside rein. <laughs> so try to span out and think about the whole picture. The mind and the body are definitely connected. So I'm constantly amazed at how a horse's biomechanics and balance can change when they are mentally and emotionally prepared and engaged. So in the example above, you know, above, in the example I gave earlier, chances are when the horse relaxes emotionally and understands mentally, there's a good chance that when he does stand on that loose rein and just stay there standing still, he's probably going to be fairly square at the halt. You know, it's really important for dressage people, (laughs) but for really all of us, we want horses that are aligned. And a lot of times if the horse is thinking I'd rather be somewhere else, they're going to be leaning that direction. I'm also amazed at how often my horse's nervousness, tension, crookednesses, unbalanced confusions (laughs) are actually an example of my own lack of self-carriage in this moment on that horse, right? So if our own bodies are off to one side, if I'm not really clear, if I'm uh, a little worried of what happens when I ask for this or nervous because someone's watching, that's all going to affect the self-carriage. So I want to give you an example of this exact concept and then how it affects an upper level movement. So I, I may have told this story on some podcast somewhere, but, uh, cause it's a good one, but I was teaching a, um, a Grand Prix rider and I was actually, there was doing a clinic at her farm and, uh, she was, you know, hosting it at her facility, but she was interested, but clearly skeptical about what the heck I was doing with all these people <laughs> and not doing. And, but she did take a lesson with uh, her Grand Prix horse. And she said that he had a lot of trouble at the, in the canter pirouettes with self-carriage. And so I did just what I described a minute ago. I said, okay, we'll just come on in. And I went up to her and, you know, wanted to talk to her and a horse kept walking off. And so she's in a double bridle and uh, I could, you know, and I, I, he kept creeping forward towards me and I just, didn't move and kind of put up my hand like, you know, Hey, (laughs) back up your horse, please. And so she just held him. And as she's standing there, he was like leaning forward and the mouth was opening and he just was like inching forward. And I just kind of watched and, you know, observed and thought in my mind, this seems important to me, but I'll suspend judgment. I'll just see how that affects what else is happening. And so she um, went and just sort of showed me some schooling pirouettes and just sort of, as I expected, it, the same lack of self-carriage um, was showing up in the canter while they were going. And then in the canter pirouette, it actually got worse. There was less self-carriage. She so really had to hold her horse together. And so she, you know, I let her ride and she came back to talk to me again and standing still talking and the same thing was happening. And I said, can you just drop the reins? And so she dropped the reins and he walked off and he went, oh no, can you just stay there, but drop the reins? <laughs> and, um, and I think she was getting quite, uh, frustrated at me probably because, 
um, this was now taking some time and I'm sure she wanted to get to the, you know, the important stuff (laughs) that was in air quotes, guys, the important stuff of the canter pirouette. And so I just kept saying, drop the reins, uh, stand still, drop the reins, stand still. And I know I was, I was making a point. Uh, so she struggled with that for long enough that it was pretty clear that that was not easy or possible at this moment. And the problem was she be, she lost her mental, emotional self-care. She was not with me in that moment because I could tell she didn't want to work on that. And so now I knew I had to explain it. She's not going to do it just because out of respect for me from some like military hierarchy, right? So I needed to explain it. So um, I explained how this was a concept of self-carriage. And if he was fighting self-carriage during a physically easy movement, doesn't it make sense that if he's good at unloading and not carrying himself during a loose rein standing still, that during a canter pirouette, he's going to be even more motivated because that's a lot harder work. I'm going to try even harder to not carry myself, right? And so she said she agreed, but then, you know, but half halts and I just need to get him more engaged and I need to, you know, do the magic half halts. And so she, this, this person had um, a couple of very large dogs. I think they might've been Mastiffs. I can't remember something like that. And I said, and they were very well behaved. So I said, you know, how do you, how do you teach your dogs to sit, right? Using the analogy of sitting for a canter pirouette and sitting of her dogs. I said, how do you, how do you teach your dogs to sit? And she said, well, I, I tell them sit, um, but at the same time, they don't sit at first. So at the same time, I'll um, push down on the haunches and I'll lift the collar a little bit at the same time. And I said, yeah, I said that I can see that definitely works. So you kind of give them a little rebalancing, right? <laughs> and then I said, and then what do you do? And she just stared at me for a moment and then she goes, well, I let go. I said, you do what? (laughs) She said, I let go. I said, oh, you mean you don't keep pushing your dog's rear end down and you don't keep lifting up on the collar? And I said, and, you know, and then what happens if they get up? And she's like, well, then I I repeat it until I can. And, you know, at that point, she's kind of like, oh, I, I get what you're doing now. So we practiced moving around and then stopping and dropping the reins and having him stand there, just like I described earlier. So here she is, a Grand Prix rider with a Grand Prix horse, trying to work on a Grand Prix exercise. And I'm having her do, you know, halt and drop the reins. So she still was a little bit, I think, annoyed at this. (laughs) And she went to the far end of the arena and fiddled around with it. And then she came over and she said, I think it's getting better. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're doing good. Just keep going. Because I know that these things take time because this is a long standing pattern. And to me, it was perfectly normal that this was going to take a while. It's also an emotional exercise and we're waiting for the horse to change his mind about it. And that takes time. So I was feeling like we were right on schedule. Um, <laughs> but she finally was starting to get some progress where she could canter and then stop and drop the reins. 
and he would stand there. And then of course, as that starts happening, the canter itself starts changing because now they were both cantering, trust knowing, and you know, the horse was knowing what he, the end point was going to be. He's cantering in a way that he was ready to stop and relax and stay still. And she was trusting him to do it. So this is like huge. And I'm watching this happen. And all of a sudden she got all excited. She started coming closer and closer to me because I had sat down and just let her fuss at the other end of the arena. But she came over and she's like, I can feel a difference. And so after a few of those, I said, okay, now go do your canter pirouette. And she rode in and, and I said, in the middle of the canter pirouette, give your hands, just put a loop in the rain, uberstration. And so she did. And it was much improved. So we stopped and just, you know, I just smiled at her and I think she got the point. So it's not only that you start with the standing still loose rein and then you have to go through the whole process with every single movement. It's a concept. And that's why I talk about self-carriage as a concept. And it's a concept that you and your horse can totally get. And when you get the concept and you practice doing simple things that well, you're going to be better at diagnosing in the middle of your counter canter. When you lose self-carriage, you're going to say, oh, my horse is getting nervous. He doesn't think he can make that turn. Or, oh, it's just balance. Or my horse is really confused. He thinks he's supposed to be changing his lead. You're going to find the much more quickly the reason for the self-carriage because you've identified it at something super, super simple and super clear, like standing still on a loose rein. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. So it is our top priority as a rider to embody what we're asking for and to be able to lead our horse well through the movements that we ask of them like being the best dance partner in the world. It's not our job to physically hold them there. Every moment that we hold on, preventing some imagined potential quote-unquote mistake, we're actually cheating our horse from feeling true lightness. We're telling him we don't trust his abilities, which is saying that we don't trust ourselves. 
because we're the ones who are responsible for developing his abilities. So don't be afraid to let go of your horses and get the truth. Let go for an entire ride or for a few strides here and there, but let go. For me, the practice of riding without the reins or even the bridle has been such a huge benefit in that I must take care of the mental, emotional, and physical self-carriage of the horse. By the way, bareback can do that too. (laughs) Bareback will keep you honest about how much your horse wants to be underneath you. So the paradox is that letting go and trusting our horses may give us the opportunity to feel something horrible (laughs) or something amazing. And the more we trust our horses and prove that we can ride their bodies with our bodies, the greater a chance we have of true self-carriage. You can experience it sooner than you think, and you can preserve it as you develop. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.